This episode is brought to you by Saturay A Plus Liver Capsules. If you've been following me for a while, you'll know how much I love liver. Well, not so much the taste of it, but I love the benefits. I think every woman should be including liver in her diet. Historically, organ meats have been an important staple in all cultures, but no one really eats liver anymore. Beef liver provides uniquely high levels of essential nutrients, including vitamin A, copper, B12, B2, B9, choline, iron, and CoQ10. Now, I know the thought of eating liver isn't that appealing, or some of you may not be able to access fresh beef liver. So that's why Emma and I developed our A-plus liver capsules, which are 100% freeze-dried Australian beef liver from pasture-raised cows. If you head to our website, you can read one of the hundreds of reviews we have of this amazing product. Women have reported improvements in their skin, hair, and nails, improvements in their cycle and menopausal issues, as well as increased energy and improved gut health. I take these capsules every single morning with my milky coffee. So get rid of your multivitamin and do your body a favor and add these amazing capsules into your day. I'll pop a link in the show notes so you can read more about the benefits of liver as well as a discount code you can use when you purchase. A lot of scientists have suggested the idea of calorific restriction enhances lifespan, but there are, there are various nuances to tease out of all the studies that have been promoted uh, and all of the biological factors that they perhaps change or don't do what they say they do because they've looked at, say, worms or flies or in rodents, they've kind of restricted foodstuffs that increase aging. So in the blog, it talks about why if you restrict, say, unsaturated fatty acids that are very unstable, when you restrict proteins like cysteine, methionine, and tryptophan, you can uh, increase lifespan, but that's only compared to, to rodents that ate those foods. If you kind of give them food that didn't contribute to the aging process, you probably wouldn't see that loss of lifespan. So it, it's important to consider, and in the blog I quote Uncle Speakman, who showed that actually when you fed animals the right amount of nutrients and food that they had, they actually lived longer than animals that were fasted. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm sitting down with our friend, Tomo Littlewood, to talk about fasting and the impact it has on female hormones and metabolism. If you followed me for a while, you'll know I've done every restrictive diet out there, including every protocol of fasting. And you know what? I actually felt really great in the beginning, which I now know was because I was running on stress hormones. But after a while, I developed painful and regular periods. My sleep suffered. I was tired and my hair was falling out. In this episode, we discuss the reasons why you feel good when you start fasting, what happens to the body with chronic restriction and fasting long-term, how fasting affects your metabolism, what happens with progesterone and other hormones during fasting, why you gain weight after restricting for so long and what it might mean for your body and health. And is there any time where fasting is appropriate? Once you've listened to this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you liked most. And as always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-L-D so we can spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Hi, Keith. Uh, Keith Littlewood, uh, nickname Tomo, known as Tomo Littlewood on Instagram. Probably doesn't need an introduction and he's, has, he's been on the Win It Life podcast uh, quite a few times. Welcome back, Keith. Hey, how are you? 
<laughs> I'm really good. I'm really good. It's good to have a little um, catch up as we do. Keith, um, I should say Tomo lives in Dubai, but you're moving soon, aren't you? Yes, we are. We are We're- going to be moving to, to Singapore. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is that so, for your wife's work? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just the tag along. <laughs> You're just the one, you know, sitting in the background doing the PhD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head chef. Yeah. Where are you at with the PhD? So for those who are new and haven't listened to one of Tomo's um, previous podcasts, he's got his master's in endocrinology and is now doing his um, – PhD. What are you doing for your PhD? Well, I'm actually just collating a data at the moment. So I spent the last two months just uh, sifting through papers on the effects of various pollution on on thyroid and sex hormones. Um, so I'm just collecting all this data. And the idea is, I actually start in October, but the professor wants me to provide a literature review to be published, first of all, to look at the data. So that's kind of time consuming at the moment i'm kind of juggling that between work and and the kids and uh, everything else involved with uh, family life so um yeah that's kind of where it's at it's it's a juggle because i haven't started yet and i've i've been sifting through potentially you know uh, i've only reviewed about 50 papers but usually you end up going down a sidetrack at looking another 10 10 papers associated with each study so it's 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 hard not to get sidetracked but that's where i'm at at the moment Oh, I bet you're amazing. I don't know how you um, juggle it all. And I really admire the mums and the dads that I know. And I think, oh, God, because I always think, oh, I'm so busy. You know, I'm so busy with my businesses and, and all I have to do is look after Craig and I. And really, I have probably no idea what true busy chaos means when you throw a couple of or t- two or three kids in the mix. It must be crazy. Oh, I think it's all relative to what everybody <laughs> does. You just, get, you just kind of get, you know, <laughs> you just – just kind of it's what appears normal. It's like, you know, I probably wouldn't, I'd find it hard being running around working like, uh, with, in lots of different things. So, you know, kind of juggling the, the work that I do with coaching and stuff. I, I do find that when the kids have gone to bed, I'm sitting down for a few hours trying to get work done. So it can, have, can be challenging at times. And even harder because you're a man, Tomo, and, you know, like trying to mo- juggle multiple things, doing the multitasking. Craig's always like, Kitty, I can only do one thing at a time. Oh, well, you know, men are more amazing than women, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, exactly. my, my wife is upstairs on, on a conference call now. And she works very long hours with her job. So it's, it's just yeah. a juggle of teamwork, really. But, yeah, it's, it's challenging for all of us, yeah. especially with the crazy times going on. Oh, I know. With the bloody – you put with the homeschooling. Emma, last week, they um, went into lockdown in Melbourne. And she's like, oh, God, I've got to do the homeschooling with the kids and try and do consults. It just must be even more difficult. Yeah, I mean, thankfully our kids have gone back to school now and they, you know, had a couple of weeks off at the beginning of the year, but they're back in now and I'm firmly convinced that we're seeing, uh, hopefully seeing uh, an end to this nonsense over the next month or two. We'll see. Mm, Hopefully. Well, let's get into it. So today we were going to talk about fasting and, you know, I guess it's, I always, I see women out there, you know, they want to lose weight, they I actually think it's primarily to to lose weight because when I think about back to when I, you know, went through every single restrictive diet, I think I was in a way lying to myself saying that I wanted to be or thinking that I was wanting to be healthy. But what I was really looking for was a way to restrict 
um, so that I could lose weight and maintain a leaner or a lighter body weight. And I remember I did fasting for 12 months. So I pretty much cycled through every protocol of fasting, you know, the 16-8, the 5-2, I did the 24-hour fasts. Um, you know, I'd get up, I'd drink, but coffee, I'd go and train fasted. And, you know, I got right into it thinking that it was the healthy um, thing to do. And I actually felt really good for a while. And now that I understand more about the human body, you know, I look back, I'm like, oh, Kitty, you're just running off stress hormones. So, of course, she felt really alert and amazing. But then after, a, you know, as time went on, other issues started to arise. You know, I, my sleep, I started to wake up multiple times during the night. You know, I was really tired all the time. I was getting bloated. My menstrual cycle was irregular. So, you know, I wouldn't get it for months and then I'd get it and then it was painful um, and, you know, I just, it's, you know, when you, it really frustrates me because I see women out there and they get right into this fasting and they're like, oh, but it's great for weight loss and I'm feeling really alert. But then they just ignore all of these other other issues. Um, and you've actually ri- written a really good blog post on fasting. What's it called? Something or a slow death. I can't remember the title of it. I think I can't remember. It seems like ages since I wrote my last blog. I think it's something yeah. along the line fasting and calorific restriction uh increased longevity or slower death i think it was something around that lines and it was really just kind of understanding that you know yeah fasting can be useful for people perhaps who overeat and need a strategy and you know there are various reasons why you know we've all we've all had this diet or kind of nutritional protocol whatever floats your boat that you've tried and initially, it's always had some really great results. Well, to the extent that you haven't tried any changes or interventions before, usually dictates how well that works. So if you're someone who's uh, you know, going for their first diet and there's a certain restriction, then of course you're going to see some positive gains. But it's usually when you kind of tried something chronically or you keep going back and doing something that you feel should work like cutting calories and there's nothing wrong with cutting calories if, if people are, are over consuming calories but you, you see a, a large majority of people these days that are using fasting intermittent fasting extensive calorie restriction uh, and they're in a bad way and that's because you know that we, to the extent that you fasted chronically uh, and in that the, that blog post you talk about why uh, a lot of scientists have suggested the idea of calorific restriction enhances lifespan, but there there are various nuances to tease out of all the studies that have been promoted um, uh, and all of the biological factors that they perhaps change or don't do what they say they do because they've looked at say worms or flies or in rodents they've kind of restricted foodstuffs that increase aging. So in the blog it talks about why. If you restrict, say, unsaturated fatty acids that are very unstable, when you restrict proteins like cysteine, methionine um, and tryptophan, you can uh, increase lifespan. But that's only compared to to rodents that ate those foods. If you kind of give them foods that didn't contribute to the aging process, you probably wouldn't see that um, that uh, loss of um, lifespan. So it's important to consider, and in the blog I quote someone called Speakman, who showed that actually when you fed animals um, the right amount of of nutrients and food that they had, they actually lived longer than animals that were fasted, or rodents in particular study. So I think it's it's looking at the the, the, the effect on function. 
So you talked about why, you know, some people when they start fasting and they do all these things like these juice fasts or coffee fasts or bone broth fasts, there's a reason why you tend to feel good. And it's kind of analogous to the endorphins produced in runner's high. You produce a lot of adrenaline, you produce a lot of cortisol, you're producing uh, something called glucagon, which is all, all uh, an integral component to breaking down fats and proteins as a fuel. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't see anything wrong with eating less if you're eating more, but it goes back to that concept of, you know, what is, uh, I think is a problematic feature of the fitness industry when, you, when the common advice is you just need to move, move more and eat less. And it's right, yeah, that will work for a, a cohort of people. But a lot of people have been trying that eating more, sorry, eating less and, and moving more. And it's got them into a hole because at, at some point your your function breaks down because you don't have enough energy going into the system. And that's why understanding how much energy you need and you require for, for optimal function is integral to, to restoring function. That's why, you know, all the people that we, we have very similar kind of clients to a degree is that you're seeing menstrual irregularities, you're seeing digestive sleep, uh, mood um, uh, disturbances that, that occur. And it's usually when you start bringing the, the right amount of foods back in and foods that don't stimulate problems to digestion or keep you awake at night or kind of have poor blood sugar responses. These are the things that we can do to restore function back. And I think when people get stuck in the rut of fasting, or they've seen these, these, these beneficial responses, short-term response is always going to be good. But to the extent that the body perceives threat, uh, and bear in mind that when you do fast, you do decrease thyroid hormone. Um, and when you decrease thyroid hormone, you make the body colder, less functionable, slower, uh, and less responsive. So these, these kind of, even when you start to refeed people from fasting, the effects of thyroid hormones and ultimately their receptors are, still don't seem to return back to function even when refe refeeding occurs sometimes. And, and I think that's the problem. You know, I think too, and I guess, you know, back when I was doing all these crazy diets, I didn't obviously understand my body and how it all works um, like I do now. And I think, you know, especially for females from an evolutionary perspective, you know, we had two, our bodies had two functions we had to survive and then we had to reproduce and i think you know when women go for long periods of time without food and literally like when you're fasting you're starving yourself or you you know eating really low calories your body wants to divert energy from non-essential processes like reproduction to actually just bloody surviving and i always you know i didn't really understand the menstrual cycle and you know the the importance of ovulation and then you know the body making progesterone i just thought that the menstrual cycle was only really important if you wanted to fall pregnant <laughs> and i think that so many women um probably like me don't understand this this either and you know when you when you ovulate your corpus luteum then makes progesterone for two weeks and you know this hormone isn't just important for fertility so maybe tomo you could talk about a little bit about progesterone and why it's so important for females well, I think obviously the, the, the main thing uh, which is uh, useful to consider is that progesterone is an anti-estrogen. So from, the, from a menstrual cycle perspective, it's, it's used to kind of inhibit the proliferative state of estrogen, which you know, increases the, the, the uh, growth of the cells in the uterus. But you can extend that beyond the menstrual cycle because if you're having excess estrogen being produced, 
And particularly, you know, you talked about the corpus luteum, when that doesn't form properly, or perhaps when you don't ovulate, then estrogen is given kind of license to run rampant and, and cause some of the problems that, that you tend to see. And this is why one of the faulty kind of notions that the, the, the luteal phase or the, you know, ovulation is associated with pe uh, menstrual uh, irregularities or, you know, menstrual cycle uh, symptoms like cramping or kind of energy or mood swelling headaches, all these kind of things, which is really the, the effects of estrogen not being detoxified because yeah, excess estrogen will inhibit the binding of thyroid hormone. It will uh, increase liver uh, problems. Uh, you know, when that increases as well, the the um, you require more B vitamins to enhance the, the metabolism metabolism of estrogen. But also, as well as that, all year round we're exposed to a, a various number of pollutants that have this kind of increasing the excitability of the estrogen receptor there are a lot of uh, compounds uh, and pollutants that are in our air water and um, foodstuffs that have the effect of suppressing progesterone down so having progesterone around all year round is quite important because it has this anti-proliferative effect um, and that can extend to better blood sugar regulation better mood uh, you know there's a reason why progesterone is used in uh, traumatic brain injury for repairing structures within the brain uh, and also why it's been associated with uh, you know improving outcomes in epilepsy because um, you get a normalization of function you get less excitability with estrogen and estrogen will increase you know things like calcium uptake and excitability of the cells uh, and progesterone has this kind of calming tranquilizing effect on the physiology at large and although we're kind of talking beyond the menstrual cycle that's a pretty good reason why premenstrual syndrome can be avoided with adequate progesterone in the system because it's decreasing the excitability and the, the problems associated with having excess estrogen that kind of disrupts all levels of function from thyroid hormone, you know, um, increasing edema, absorption of water, um, not being able to pass it and, and uh, increasing the, the uh, you know, blood sugar dysregulation during that phase. So I think having adequate progesterone and, you know, there are, People who've talked about whites, not, I think Ray Pete in particular, talking about whites, mistakenly uh, called the progestational hormone. You know, it does have many features beyond pregnancy and the menstrual cycle. Um, and uh, I think if uh, we get a better understanding of why it needs to be present in certain amounts all year round, we can probably uh, offset many of the negative things, particularly in female uh, reproductive tissues, you know, breast cancers, endometrial, uh, polycystic ovaries, fibroids, polyps, all of these things are an expression of excess estrogen. Excess progesterone clearly just does not produce these, these uh, growth effects. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's important to have all year round. And ultimately, when you fast, bring it back to the context of the chat, is that progesterone receptors are often... Uh, uh, not bound to by progesterone because glucose, uh, sorry, glucocorticoids and cortisol will bind uh, those receptors uh, in a low energy state. Uh, and bearing in mind is that, you know, we think about the first things that are lost during stress is digestion and its fertility. Uh, and it's also, you know, balanced thinking as well, right? Because when we don't have enough energy available, we're, we, we have this kind of stress response that increases the stress hormones that diverts, you know, blood away from tissues uh, associated with the digestion to working muscles. And it's, you know, analogous to say that people are in that fight or flight, you know, running, 
running away from stress or being prepared to run away from a stressor, but they can't run away. It's, it's there all the time. And this will have significant effects on, on progesterone production. Mm, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so interesting. Like every time I post about like fasting, you'll, I'll get a heap of, you know, there'll be a heap of women commenting and they're going, oh, you know, I fasted and I had all these issues. And then there's the people that come in and just get really angry. <laughs> you say that you say that you that you shouldn't fast it's um i wish though you know and that's what i really like about the ray peaks approach or i guess you know, what you call it the pro metabolic approach is that it's more about finding i guess what works for you to optimize the metabolic markers like sleep and digestion and mood and energy and your hormones and um, you know, so you've got a warm body and strong pulse. And, you know, I guess even though we we all follow similar-ish type guidelines, you know, my diet's different to your diet and so is it different to Craig. And I think it's really is about finding what works for you. And if I'd known back then what I knew now, I'm sure like, well, I pretty much suffered from all of the above, you know, poor digestion. <laughs> poor sleep, you know, irregular cycles and people bang on about, you know, fasting and it's so healthy. But I'm like, how could you say that having all of those symptoms is healthy? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's uh, when people kind of have their diet dogma. I mean, first of all, it makes complete sense why people who are fasting comment quite angrily and short, <laughs> quite cut, because, you know, that's what most people are like. I mean, we could use PMS as a an analogous situation is often blood sugar levels are compromised. So being irritable, being hangry, uh, you could, you could extend to the fasting community sometimes as well. So if you don't have enough energy, you are kind of running off those hormones that you need to break down fats and proteins as a fuel. So I, I, I think that people are more inclined to wax lyrical about their new diet protocol in the first few weeks, months, you don't see that extend to years and years um, and practically because it's not sustainable to eat like that as well. Um, so I, 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 it makes perfect sense to me why fasting can work in the short term, but you're not always guaranteed fasting to um, improve the metabolic flexibility. Sure. You can uh, decrease the insulin response because if you don't have enough, much glucose going into the system, then you, you just don't need to have that insulin response, but that doesn't necessarily improve the outcome. So most people will have high glucose values for an, as an example, because thyroid's not functioning efficiently. Thyroid is an ultimate signaling uh, hormone for the, for the uh, pancreas to work efficiently. And when that's lost, we have high, high glucose values, but everyone kind of jumps on the, the bandwagon of fasting to say that, Hey, well, you know, you were seeing, uh, in increased insulin responsiveness, but that doesn't always equate to better in insulin responsiveness. It doesn't always equate to uh, better glucose responsiveness. And that's primarily because all you're doing is taking glucose away. Chronic fasting can, when you break down fats and proteins as a fuel, increases the metabolic byproducts like lipid peroxides and hydrogen peroxides um, that um, cause problems ultimately with, with mitochondria over time. So you can actually make the, the mitochondria and the cells, which ultimately break down fats as a fuel, um, cause metabolic inflexibility if it's chronic enough. And that's why you see, particularly in fasting cultures, uh, which is kind of prevalent where I'm, I live here, is that if you're, if you're a growing child, you're a pregnant woman or you're on some kind of uh, medication, 
then you shouldn't fast because that can have a, a very uh, negative effect on function. Mm, yeah, I remember living in Dubai during Ramadan when they'd fast all day and I'd think, oh, God, how do they do it? Yeah. I actually don't think I could do it now. Well, you know, bearing in mind that yeah, carbohydrate is, is essential for, for making things like the, the endothelium, for, for blood pressure, work responsibly, for converting adequate thyroid hormone. Um, and, you know, cutting back on, on even going low carb can have these effects. Um, and I think I truly do think when people say oh, fasting's worked to lower my blood sugar, fasting has lowered to uh, lower my uh, high blood pressure. If someone has been eating chronically overeating, and getting too many calories in that that's plausible too you can overeat you can overeat lots of certain uh, nutrients that can have a negative effect on metabolic flexibility uh, and, and cutting back on those if you've overeaten will obviously have positive effects but to the extent that you start to see perhaps not optimal glucose responsiveness because the pancreas still doesn't function efficiently then you're just asking for trouble over time mm-hmm. and say if someone because we get a lot of women that follow me or that, you know, join our programs that have come from that like keto fasting background, if they were, I guess, changed into a pro-metabolic diet and starting to eat more and eat more carbs, how, what, how would they approach it? What's the best way in your opinion to approach it? I think going slow to start off with. Mm. I mean, if I, I often, when I've done some posts on fasting and uh, metabolic inflexibility or kind of, you know, all, the, all of these uh, metabolic consequences of keto and fasting. I usually get quite a few uh, women texting me saying, I, I went keto, uh, my hair started falling out, I got worse menstrual cycle irregularities. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you will see a small section of people who have been chronically overeating what's their first diet intervention probably will show some positive effects because you're, you're restricting excess. Uh, you might also be restricting foods that have a negative effect. So if you're coming from that background, your ability to use glucose efficiently is often compromised. So starting slow with a, a, you know, a piece of fruit with a piece of cheese or some protein and, and a little bit of fat is usually the best way. I've had one client before who was actually low thyroid in the end. And I said, you know, let's start increasing your, your sugar. And, and she went from literally low carb diet to eating big marshmallow cakes and liters of orange juice a day. And it's like, you know, it, 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 glucose responsiveness isn't going to just magically um, work efficiently because of that. You know, you need to get the body used to kind of having uh, an optimal insulin response. Ultimately, if, if, you know, if you eat too many calories in, in, a, in a short space of time, you will start to gain a bit of weight. But it's also important to consider that, you know, optimal temperature and pulse as an indicator of thyroid hormone and your ability to utilize glucose efficiently. So um, the, the key would be to, you know, eat regular meals, uh, you know, eating regular meals. A lot of people say, oh, well, you don't need to eat, you know, regular meals. I think for somebody who's been stressed out, whether they've pushed themselves into a restrictive dieting strategy, eating every three or four hours is just a pragmatic stress reduction strategy. It allows the body to feel in a normal kind of place, it's, it's understanding it's got regular nutrients coming. It doesn't mean that you need to overeat. You know, if you think about eating every three hours, for an example, and eating every every uh, sort of 300 calories, and you're eating six, six meals a day of 300 calories, you're talking about 1,800 calories, which is just about hitting the button there. So you can play around with those kind of yeah, calorific intake and nutrient ratios to get that better response. But 
often just starting with, you know, you know, whole fruits, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having juices, for an example, because that can have a, a, a positive effect. But, you know, make sure you're getting adequate protein and a bit of fat with it. Uh, but just don't go overboard and look at temperatures of pulse, how you're feeling, satiety, making sure you're getting adequate salt within that as well. Uh, and I think that can help to just smooth the, the way into it. You know, my, one of the most common features I've seen with clients who've come from that disordered or kind of, you know, chronic dieting or keto approach is when they start eating regularly, the, the stress levels drop down, the function starts to return. I think you've got to tie that in with getting adequate sunlight and, you know, slowing down a bit, especially if you're kind of running from pillar to post trying to do too much. But, you know, eating, eating on a regular basis, eating um, uh, a smaller amount of carbohydrate to start off with, you know, there's no reason why at some point later on in the diet, some people do, can do really well, 50, 60, 70% of carbohydrates in the diet. But it just, it just takes time. Like you say, there can be some nuances individually. I don't think you need to go down the route of complex genomic testing and metabolic testing to get that. You can just get that with trial and error. But starting on the lower side to start off with and then increasing and decreasing as, as appropriate as you go on. Yeah, and a lot, I get a lot of messages too from women and, you know, they've come off this low-carb fasting regime and they've been quite lean and small and then, you know, of course they eat more and they put on body fat and they put on weight and they're like, oh, Kitty, when's this just going to, like, isn't the weight just going to fall off? And I think you're right, like, where I see women, and I'm not saying that this is right, or wrong there's no right or wrong approach but if you really don't want to gain weight and you really don't want to gain body fat but some women just have to we found with clients that are very um meticulous with tracking eating the same thing every day balance like you say balancing the blood sugar small regular meals gradually when we've gradually increased their calories we really minimize that weight gain but i think yeah. a lot of women come in and they're like oh yes fuck yeah i can eat carbs again and you know they go crazy and eat so much they're like oh why have i put on all this body fat and i'm like well you can eat too much for where you're currently at and where your metabolism or metabolic rate is currently so i think you know you have to again there's no right or wrong but if you are someone who really doesn't want to gain body fat you, you've got to be stricter with the tracking i think and you know gradually increasing and in measuring um you know, I was speaking to Kate actually a couple of weeks ago and we were just talking about a few clients that we've worked with where we've managed to get them from eating, you know, like 1,400 calories to 2,000 calories with no fat gain. Um, and But, again, they ate the same thing every day, six more meals, tracked everything, did everything that we said and only increased it very gradually. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that and that's totally fine. But I think, like you say, you've got to, I guess it's about figuring out what's important to you and, you know, I think, again, some women, if they really truly have restricted to maintain a low body weight to get healthy again and, you know, feel good and get their cycle back, they just have to put some body fat on, I think. Yeah, I think there's also a continuum there uh, between thyroid function and also uh, perception. So mm -hmm. one, one end, you know, one of the most common features of low thyroid hormone that was found when you were looking at the old researchers was anorexia. So to the extent that you've under-eaten before, which, was, which, which would have a bit of a vicious cycle between suppressing thyroid physiology uh, and um, optimal function, so that when you go to eat back, your thyroid still might not be as functional as it could be. It might not be responsive. It might not allow optimal pancreatic function, optimal insulin, optimal glucose signaling. Um, and so 
that can be an issue. And that therefore you may gain weight because you can't utilize carbohydrates sufficiently because of that. The other thing as well, and I think you're kind of all, you're very well versed in this with, with clients is the, 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 the perception of, of, of weight and where it is from a functional perspective. And like you say, if you've starved yourself for the last 10 years and you've gained five kilos, actually that five kilos might actually bear what, what, what you needed to be to be a healthy weight, even 10 kilos. Mm. You know, if, mm. if you kind of pressed your, your ability to maintain muscular glucose levels, liver uh, uh, levels of glucose, you know, you are going to gain a bit of weight because you're, you're holding on to more fluid because you, you're storing glucose and that's beneficial. So to the extent that it's working for you, menstrual cycle, sleep, digestion, you know, absence of pain, mood, uh, libido, fertility, all of these aspects would start to come back online if it's beneficial. And I've worked with many, many females, which is really positive to see where they're actually at the point they go, I don't care about the weight anymore. I've, I've starved myself for so long. I just want to feel normal. And mm. that's, that's a good place to be. But there are some clients, and I've said this before, I'll have uh, a, a useful question at the beginning of um, starting. How do you feel about gaining weight on my program? And if they say, I can't, I can't gain more weight, it's just, I just, it's not acceptable. And I'm like, mm. I might just have to. Um, and not say that's the case with everyone, because that, that isn't the case. And not all, all, all clients gain weight on the program but to the extent that you have suppressed that and your goal is more centered around how you look rather than how you feel and function that will dictate success and ultimately the, the client's happiness yeah i think that's a good point to make too because like it's really is depending on the, the woman you know like we have women come into our program that have lost 30 kilos you know and not everyone gains weight we've got heaps that have lost the body fat but I also think too, like a lot of women have unrealistic expectations, you know, like they'll message me going, yeah, but Kitty, nothing's happening yet. And I'm like, yeah, but hang on a second. You know, you've dieted the fuck out of yourself for 20 years. So basically you have to reverse diet and fix everything and fix your metabolism and, or, you know, upregulate it, you know, fix thyroid, your thyroid function, get your cycle back, you know, so it's regular. And then, then once you've done that, you've got to, you know, like be eating more calories consistently and maintain that for a while. Then you've got to learn how to strength train. So, yeah. you know, then, then once you build some muscle and get, you know, stronger, then the fat will come off. And it's like that, that's going to take a while. Like yeah. you can't yeah. expect that you did what you did for 20 years and you want to not only feel amazing and fix all your issues, but you also want to have this amazing toned athletic physique. I'm like, it just, I think women are a bit, and probably some people think I'm a bit harsh, but I'm like, you just get lied to. You get lied to on fucking Instagram. You can't achieve those bodies in a healthy way in a short period of time. Like, it's just not possible. It's not possible. Like, I look at the women in our program who've had the best transformations. It's like 18 months. And they've been, these are the women that have been like 100% Keith. Like, and there's very few because there's not very, and I'm not, again, I like, I'm not 100% either. And I was talking about this on the lot, like just on Instagram the other day. You know, like Craig, I've been leaner than I am now. And Craig did my skin polls the other day. I was like, I don't know, 26, 27% body fat. But this is like for me to maintain this, I can eat a decent amount of food. I have, you know, like I still like to have some drinks every now and then. I don't get shit faced. But, you know, like we might go out to a restaurant and I'll have a few cocktails. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't track strictly anymore. I train three to four days a week. I just walk Winston. But in order, if I wanted to be leaner, 
and yeah. eat more food. I'd have to cut the booze. I'd have to be really consistent and like eat the same, nearly the same thing every day. Um, you know, what we've also found too is with the women, the ones that, again, this is not right or wrong. This is just something that we've noticed from the thousands of women we've worked with is the ones that can get into better shape um, and improve their issues eating more food, eat the same thing every day or nearly the same thing. The ones that have more variety, yeah. we have to have them on less calories. Um, and, again, it's, it's, I think it's just about going, like, what, what's going to make me happy? And I think, like, and I've been right at the other end of the scale, like, really leaner. I've been fatter than I am now and I wasn't happier being leaner. You know, it doesn't not necessarily you looking a certain way is going to make you happier. I think you've got to find that balance for yourself where you can eat food and feel good and do the training that you enjoy and just feel happy in your, in your body and healthy. Um, I think a lot of women think that if they're going to ha- they'll have this great body that they're just, everything's going to be better <laughs> and life yeah. will be better, but it just doesn't really work like that. No, and there's so much conditioning from media, you know, over you know, for a long time on all all of these things, and they promote the stupid celebrity diets that they do, um, and you know, I just think it's 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 a it's a problem at many echelons of society that's conditioned people to do that. And you're right, you know, it, it takes time. I think when it comes to improving function, whether it's digestion, sleep, mood, these kind of things, libido, that can happen in a relatively short space of time. Um, but it, it's still to the extent where people kind of go, oh, I can go back to dieting now. It's like the body will remember that threat. <laughs> yeah. You kind of see it through. And this is why it can be, it can be, you know, my programs with clients are 10 weeks, 10, 10 12 weeks long. And it's like, they're still going, I make clear to them, I said, you need to be working on this for, for years. Mm. So you've got some really, really good results. Don't think you can go back to, to, you know, doing lots of circuit training or, you know, running, running obscene amounts w- without getting enough food in or, you know, even if you're a mum, you know, that's a stressful job, you know, making sure that you're eating. How many women just run from pillar to post sometimes? And guys as well, you know, I'm in the, the, the same situation we do, you know, from a parenting perspective. It's like, it, it's not, it's not um, a specific sex. It's like everybody is under stress. And to the extent that you can get out of it, um, still needs to be maintained over a longer period of time. Uh, and the, the best thing you can do is just keep working on the basics, getting ready, regular energy coming in, you know, getting your sleep sorted, um, restricting yourself from kind of stressful environments where possible or becoming more robust to those stresses. So, yeah, it, it does take time. And uh, you're right. Not, not a lot of people understand how much time it takes to you don't unravel 10, sometimes 20, sometimes 30 years of problems, you know, just just within the space of a few months. I think, you know, like, and I often say this when I talk to women in our program, like, well, what do you think is you're going to do differently when you get to your goal? So let's say I could snap my fingers and you're, I'm just pulling a plucky number around me, you're 25% body fat, you got lots of muscle, you're looking awesome, you're sleeping awesome, your periods are regular and pain-free, you feel fantastic. What do you think you're going to do differently to what you're doing now? I'm like, are you going to stop training? Are you going to stop eating consistently? Are you just going to start drinking heaps of booze again? Are you going to start skipping meals? Are you going to start eating pufas? And they're like, no. And I said, exactly. So, you know, everything that I'm getting you to do is what I do consistently. It's like it can't change. Like you say, you you can't go back to doing what you're doing. So it's got to be, I guess it's like this 
permanent lifestyle change really, isn't it? You know, if you're someone who always drank a heap of alcohol and ate pufas all the time, you can't go back to that because otherwise yeah. you'll just, you'll just revert, you'll just revert back. And, you know, yes, the improvement, well, like you say, sometimes I think for some women, they see the improvements quickly in the sleep and the menstrual cycle issues and, you know, all the metabolic issues, but then it's the weight, it's the weight loss and the body composition change that comes last. And yeah. that really does take, you know, like in our program, our ultimate goal is, you know, and I think, again, this is just from our experience working with thousands of women is the ones that are ultra consistent, like track everything. They're the ones that we haven't really had to do anything. We just gradually increase, increase their calories. They've gotten stronger. The fats come off. All their issues have improved, but they've been ultra consistent. And then there's the ones in between, which takes longer. And I think the women too that, get to that point where like okay cool i'm feeling really good i really want to lose body fat now i'm like well it takes consistency like you have to we have to and i think it annoys me sometimes like i hear people talk about this it's like you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat like if you you can eat pro-metabolic foods and eat too much pro-metabolic foods you're not going to lose body fat but i think where women go wrong is it's too extreme and what we like to do in our program is you know get you feeling good get your calories up and then let's create a small calorie deficit by strength training to build muscle, maybe get yeah. doing some more movement, low-intensity cardio, walking, playing with your kids, and then we might do a small calorie cut, you know, yeah. so it's like small so that the fat loss is slow and it's not super stressful. But I think where women go wrong is that they go, okay, I'm good during the week, and then they go and have this blowout on the weekend. I'm like, yeah, but this, the calorie deficit is small. So if you go and eat, you know, go, I'm going to drink a heap of wine on the weekend and eat pizza and or whatever. And then I'm yeah. just back to my maintenance calories. So it really, I think it does take that consistency, um, yeah. you know, like balancing the blood sugar. If it's if someone who drinks, cutting out, the, I think it's beneficial for women, I reckon, just to cut the booze out for a while until you get to where you want to be and your issues are resolved, um, you know. But I think it just, with anything in life, it's like, Again, there's no right or wrong, but if you're not happy with where you are, ask yourself, am I doing everything? Am I being as consistent as I could be? Um, and again, it's not, you know, you don't have to be super consistent, but you also have to accept the speed of your results or where you're at, you know? And I think that's where I find women get disappointed because they sort of, they expect, you know, like I had a lady in the challenge go, Kitty, but like I've been doing this for four weeks and I haven't seen any fat loss and I've been, you know, like semi-consistent and I'm like, how consistent? She's like, oh, 80%. And I'm like, well, you've got to be better than 80%. Like, you know, you know, if you just want to feel, and she was like, oh, but I'm feeling heaps better and sleeping well and, you know, I'm starting to get strong in the gym. I said, we'll be happy with that then. You know, if yeah. you really want to lose body fat, you've got to tighten up your diet. Like you're drinking on the weekend still, you're having this shitty takeaway, you know, one day yeah. you're eating this amount of calories, the next day you're eating this. It's like you, you just, or just be happy. Like just be happy yeah. feeling good and strength training and having your lifestyle that you have because, you know, I think it's just, it's about being realistic and honest. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, guys, we've got a bit off track with the fasting. But, you know, I mean, is there any time ever that you would encourage people to fast? No, <laughs> not really. I mean, like I said, if people have a, a hard time because they like to overeat, then there's nothing wrong with kind of doing. I mean, you know, even you can 
you know, you could do a shock day where you have a day of kind of substantially less calories, but I, I can't ever see the need where you, there's a, a need to really push your body into, um, you know, a, you know, not having any food. You know, when you also, if you have any adipose tissue as well, bearing in mind that lots of pollutants and, and toxins are actually stored in adipose tissue. So to the extent that you can push yourself into a hole with fasting can be, can be there. And, you know, you do see some amazing pictures of people doing calorie restriction who are clinically obese and they've, they've obviously changed and, you know, there can be some beneficial effects there, but to the extent of whether that's going to come back as rebound because you've suppressed function is something that needs to be entertained. So metabolic flexibility will dictate whether somebody should or whether they even need to fast but i think it can be achieved over time with less damage to the system maintaining metabolic flexibility by having adequate energy coming into the system daily and then you'll be able to process a lot of the things that need to be disposed of you know excess poofer within uh tissues um you know uh, metals pollutants estrogen type um metabolites that, that that have been absorbed and not been able to get rid of efficiently so i i don't I just don't think it's necessary but if you're someone that really has a hard time you know modulating your food um i just regulating how much is going in and you find you know restricting calories on one day as opposed to eating more on another is, is best for you it really just what, what is the thing that's going to make you consistent i think that's the ultimate yeah. thing what is it that's yeah. going to make you work also, I think it's like, because we've got clients that do that, but it's a small difference in the calories that they, like some of them like to eat a slightly bit less during the week. And then on the yeah. weekend, because, you know, like they might be going out with their family or making some different meals, they'll have a higher calorie amounts on the weekend, but it's not a huge difference. So like they're eating a thousand calories and then eating, you know, 2,500 calories, it's small. And I think yeah. too, if you, you probably have to look at, you know, is it, if you can't, if you're, I think with women too, especially because I used to do this, is I was overeating and binge eating because I was restricting, but then also because I was using it as a crutch. You know, I was using it as a way to like suppress. I was feeling sad, so I'd just be eating, or I was bored, so I'd be eating, or I was hungover, so I'd be eating. You know, like is there underlying issues there that's making you overeat? Like it's not because you're actually hungry. <laughs> Yeah, but also, you know, you, the people who, like you talk about you, the job and the stress of work, is it's much easier for people to go throughout the working week under more stress, not eating, right? Mm. I've got a meeting, I can't, get, I can't grab lunch, I've got this deadline, I can't have a snack right now. It's like, but actually they're the things that are going to stop you totally letting go of everything at the weekend. You know, mm. you'll binge in that because you've suppressed so much where the body's desire to go, I need something, I'm gonna, just going to let rip, I don't care what you're going to eat now, just getting inside you, go and have a litre of wine and go and have all this food. It's like, well, you know, if you, if you take a measured approach throughout the week where you're hitting the targets of getting adequate energy in, you're less likely to go towards that kind of crazy, chaotic uh, nutrient intake at the weekend. Um, Absolutely. So, I think, I think, you know, being mindful of what creates balance during the week, and there's nothing wrong with eating slightly less during the week if you, you're on a busy lifestyle, but to the extent that it kind of disrupts your weekend because you, you, you're unable to control your, your food, what's going in, then, then that's the issue. Yeah, I think the key word there is slightly less. You know, like I used to do the same thing. I'd just eat fuck all during the week like starve myself and then I get to the weekend I'm just, I just wanted to drink and eat all this shit food whereas now I just eat enough every single day 
I eat food that I love, but, you know, I was just talking about these fudge marshmallows that I made. Um, yeah. You know, I eat ice cream every single night for dinner. So I don't get to the weekend and think, like, sometimes I'll get to Saturday night and I'll be, because I just like to cook. You know, I like to make something a bit different because we eat nearly the same thing every night because it's just easy. And sometimes yeah. I'll be like to Craig, oh, I just don't even know what I feel like. You know, like there's, I've got no like real cravings for anything. Whereas before I'd get to the weekend, but I've got to smash a pizza. You know, I've got to eat a ton of ice cream. Whereas now I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll make a burger. Maybe I'll make some homemade pizza. Maybe I'll make a curry. I don't know. Like there's no real like, oh, I've got to consume, like you say, thousands of calories because you're yeah. actually getting adequate energy during the week. And I think, again, it's it's when you decide that you want to improve your health or you want to lose some body fat, you you have to change what you're doing. Like you have to, you know, I think people make excuse. I'm too busy to eat. Well, you're not too busy to stop for five minutes and eat a piece of fruit and a piece of cheese or drink a glass. Like I often, my snacks, I'll just grab a glass of juice and two slices of cheese and I eat it in like a few minutes. Yeah, literally takes a few minutes, you know. And I start the day as well, just with that. You what? Is it even just an easy way to start the day? You know, some people say I don't have time while drinking a glass of juice and eating a piece of cheese. I mean, how long does that take? Or you could boil eggs on the weekend and just like peel them and have boiled eggs with salt and juice. Like it is, it is. I I feel like people make bullshit excuses. Like this friend of mine, Emma, she was. um, They've got two businesses and a young child. And when she started working with us in the gym, which was like six years ago, seven years ago, she had thyroid issues, her hair was falling out, um, you know, she was just a mess from all dieting. And then she came into the gym and she ate more food and, you know, stopped doing all this cardio and she got heap, she got better and she had a baby. And, you know, she came and stayed with us a few weeks ago and it was my birthday. And she was just saying like she has like zero time. So, you know, I helped her do a meal plan. Like I was like, okay, what can we do that's really easy for you? And she, we did this meal plan. She just she just eats it. She just literally eats the same thing. She's like in the morning I get up and I have a raw egg, milk, honey, and the saturated premium collagen. I have my liver tablets. And then she's like for morning tea I have yogurt and honey. For lunch, I just have a frozen meal that we made on the weekend. Afternoon tea is um, baby bell cheese and more juice. And so dinner is we just every night during the week just have fish with potatoes in the oven and juice. And then for din- for dessert, I have a glass of milk, um, some clean casein and some honey. And she's like, literally my meal plan takes it's like zero prep time apart from the lunch meal that they freeze. And she just eats the same thing because she said, I don't have the time to be making all these fancy meals and it's it's important to me to eat well because I need to do these, manage these two businesses. She's got this young child, um, Hunter, he's two I think now. Um, so, like, you know, you're making excuses, I think, when people say they don't have time. Like, yeah. you have time. You can eat really, really simple food, Ch- piece of cheese, piece of fruit. That takes yeah. zero prep time. Yeah, it's the same here. We have loads of stuff. I mean, you know, just like even just a yogurt, just throw a yogurt in. Yeah. Usually just any, any, anything. I, I, I kind of always find it challenging when people say they don't have time to prepare food. It's like food doesn't even need preparing. Half yeah, I know. You could literally, if you, and that's another thing I say to women too. I'm like, if you don't have time, you have to sacrifice variety. Like you you can't unless you've got this chef that's going to make you all these amazing meals all the time so you have to just decide what is more important to you, your health 
and losing body fat if that's a goal or that you have all of this amazing variety during the week. You can't have everything unless you have millions of dollars, <laughs> literally. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I think it's about deciding that you this is what's important to you and that's a priority and going, how can I make it easy for myself and keep it simple? Keep it super simple during the week. And then if you've got more time on the weekend, like I actually really like cooking. And when I have more time, I will experiment and make, you know, different recipes and things. But during the week, I'm like, I'm too busy. You know, I just I want to, I eat the same breakfast every morning. Like I just have eggs and cheese and juice and coffee or fruit. Like, and it takes so little time to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. So ladies, don't make excuses, you know. Yeah. keep it it super simple well thanks so much keith that was um awesome as usual so much great information don't fast it's a scam everyone just you know fuel your body yes you might get quicker results fasting but that's because you're starving yourself um (laughs) yes this approach that we talk about takes time but anything i think worthwhile in life takes time and effort you know like yeah 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 i i think it's just you know people often do short time they just want to sacrifice they want short-term gains with with kind of you've got you like you say you've got to put the groundwork in and, and be patient over time now keith do you still have your gofundme set up i do yeah okay um, great all right i'll drop it in the i'll drop it in the show notes then awesome oh sorry we talking. good okay cool <laughs> we can so you can donate to um to tomo's uh phd i'll pop the link to his um, Instagram, follow him. He's got lo- he posts loads of really good um, scientific. You know, he gets into the nitty gritty as you've heard, um, and he's just got you know loads loads of great uh, information. And uh, thanks all- again, thanks again, Tomo, and I'll see you again next time. My pleasure. Uh, always good to talk, and thank you for uh, uh, promoting the GoFundMe. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Bye. Bye.